were underground in Prague. When you hear the word underground, what do you think of? Uh, riding the metro. I think about graffiti. Wait. Oh. Being underground can be understood figuratively and literally. Maybe you're taking the metro. Maybe you're doing something behind the authorities' backs. In this episode, we'll be meeting people who spend or have spent a significant chunk of their lives below the surface. Here in Prague, you can see history and culture all around you. But if you dig down a few feet, you'll find stories that'll give you an even fuller understanding of the city. This is the Progcast. the ninth episode of our podcast and the first of our spring 2016 season. I'm Leah Levine. And I'm Alan Peng. Join us as we dig down underneath the surface. Millions of people visit Prague each year. But few realize that the city's street level is much higher than it was two centuries ago. So where better to begin than under Prague's old town square, where our reporter, Morel Malcolm, met up with a tour guide who explained why. Today's branch is built on the top of the old city, so enormous floods were coming to Prague every spring, and people were desperate. So they came up with an idea to raise the level of the streets. It took them between two centuries to complete it. So today's Prague is between two to eight meters higher than it was in the 12th century. Now we have about 70 houses in the old city that has older house from 12th, 13th century below the new one. But we had much more. But the uh, majority of these houses were destroyed when uh, the town was building a new street called Parisian Street. And the majority of these houses, or of this underground, under the old houses, were in the Jewish town. It's much quieter, not so much echoing. Now we have brick stairs and floors versus the wood. Peaceful, quiet and serene. So this house was built later in the 18th century. We normally say one meter, 100 years. And here we have a well for the groundwater. There's no water now because of the canalization. But what is interesting to mention, why did they have inside the house well? Because the first thing what an enemy did when he entered the city was that he poisoned the public well. The rich ones wanted to be safe inside their own home. To my right is the small door, which is about three and a half feet in height. This door went to the street in that time. Quite small, isn't it? Even for them. We weren't hobbits, you know, in the 13th century. This had some reason. The first reason was defense system. If a man with armor wanted to pass through this door inside, it was impossible for him. And the second one, religious reason, if some visitor was coming inside, he had to bow, and with this bow he showed respect to the owner. Below me I am looking down into the pit where they kept the prisoners, and the decorations they have set up are an axe and chains. 
now we are below the third house. So as you can see here, this place was uh, used as a prison. Uh, here weren't kept criminals as murderers, only thieves or robbers. And what did they do to them? They were put in the cells where they have to spend two nights without water, without light, without food. Then the criminal could come up and continued in what was he doing. But if they captured him for the second time, he was put here downstairs for the double amounts of the days. And on this portal we can see their sculptures. So they were sculpting, writing their names if they knew how to write already. Václav Kababijovsky, Adam Hanush. So it was something like a prisoner graffiti just to be reminded here forever. small door goes to the mechanism of atomic clock. It is checked by its clock master or clock masters. It's one family and it goes from father to son. And they come every Friday at nine o'clock because it's a legend. It said that if the astronomical clock stops working, something bad will happen to Czechs. The last time it stopped was 2002 and that year enormous floods came to Prague, so they have to work properly, so nothing bad will happen again. After being underground in the dark, quiet passageways and houses, we enter above ground, which is much louder, more echo, and we see above us a beautiful mosaic with vivid red, teal, and gold. Are people still discovering more underground houses? I don't uh, think so in Prague, but in the other parts of Czech Republic, there are still many places undiscovered. Morel Malcolm, emerging blinking into the sunlight from under Old Town Square. As the tour guide was saying there, there haven't been any recent discoveries in Prague. But remember that flood in 2002? Of course. It was terrible. Something amazing did come out of it. Another old house was found under the old town square. A house of magic, long forgotten. When Rudolf II ruled the Holy Roman Empire from Prague Castle, he would venture through one of three tunnels that led from the castle to this house just off the old town square. Here, legend has it, a group of alchemists were brewing up the elixir of life. Prague's reporter E.R. descended the steps to this ancient laboratory, today Prague's Museum of Alchemy. This is, well, what's this room called? Yeah, this is a study or an office. Mm -hmm. So this is where basically Rudolf II and his main advisor, who is this man on the painting, which you can't see, but his name was Tadej Hayek. And he was one of the most important alchemists in the Czech lands. Mm. So this is why the elixirs that were distilled here were based on many exotic herbs, uh, even opium, for example, uh, that was available. So this was a very good uh, strategical place also because of the road. Entering the study, we see a chandelier covered with two horned masks representing Moses, right? Yes. Moses, the three, first alchemist. Three. And it's important, the number three in Prague, it's like mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, numerology, that's what uh, the King Rudolf II was interested in, so the number three is a reoccurring thing around here. Hidden in the library is a statue of a dragon that opens a secret passageway into the ancient alchemical laboratories hidden underneath Prague's old town. So what you can hear, the bubbling sound, this is because this is where alchemists, they distilled elixirs, including the famous elixir of eternal youth, uh, which is characteristic of this place, and it was based on herbs, alcohol, and uh, opium. Uh, so you can see here three furnaces, they are original furnaces from the 16th century that were preserved after many floods which happened in Prague over the centuries. And so this is where they distilled the elixirs, basically. Distillation was something alchemists were uh, very good at. This is just the place where all this magic happened, I suppose. There are two Some say you can also still hear Rudolf II walking through the secret tunnel to Prague Castle. Yeah, definitely. I think he used a lot of tunnels. That it was not just the tunnels to the laboratory itself, but also there was intersection of tunnels underneath the castle pretty much everywhere. Uh, probably, but of course when the infrastructure of the city changed, a lot of tunnels collapsed. So today you find here and there something, some remains, but mostly they are not intact. This house was also supposed to be demolished, but it didn't happen. So some people say it might be because of the secret positive energy, which is concentrated here, because this place dates back all the way to paganism, and they used to have some ritual side here. Basically, there are some places with this positive energy, and it's uh, normally linked to paganism. For example, here in this place where they buried their kings. So in this area, a lot of bodies were found throughout the years, and uh, they say that pagans would seek these places where they felt the earth energy different than others, and they would have special like place where they would do uh, rituals. So this place also includes the Prague Castle, and also in Vyšehrad. There are the Devil's Columns, where they say it's the official entrance to hell. I'm not sure, because I guess I'm not so sensitive to these things, so I don't really feel that much difference here. The air does vibrate a little differently here, especially like around here. Yeah, I think some people say they can feel the uh, vibration here. So I think there might be something to it, but of course it's all uh, up to people. They can make their own opinion about this.
podcast reporter ER with that report from the city's Speculum Alchemy, or Museum of Alchemy, to me and you. Hey, Leah, where's all that music coming from? A jazz club. We're on our way there next. Talk about the underground role that jazz played in Prague during the communist regime. One of the first things that will come to mind for many is the jazz section. Today I'm meeting with Ivan Prokop, now a freelance photographer and visual artist, to learn more about the jazz section. The connection of jazz section wasn't only in Prague, but it was in the whole country. It's a Czech and Slovakia, it was together. Though the jazz section survived normalization, it was only under strict supervision of the state's cultural and security branches. I can tell that uh, we, nobody of us want to be a political problem because mainly it was a free culture. They organized concerts and published a magazine. And although they were not overtly political, they were dedicated to free culture and thus against the state's strict censorship. That was the problem for the State Department because they didn't want it. They didn't want to, to have a free information. It, it was the main problem and that's why they want to, if, if, the, if this organization was only 2,000 people, it was okay. But it was uh, 100,000 people, it's a problem. In the start of the 80s, the government grew up with the pressure against the just section. And uh, the last just days was prohibited in the same day when they should start. By 1984, the jazz section and its publications were outlawed. The organization's leaders were prosecuted and arrested. After visiting with Mr. Prokop, I sat down with some contemporary jazz musicians in Prague's Jazz Republic in order to learn more about Prague's current jazz scene. I would say jazz is not underground anymore. It's more like the minority. One more thing. Jazz has started to be at the university in Prague. It's like five years ago, so, so, so it's, it's not underground. That was Leah at the Jazz Republic. Wow, my feet are tired from all this walking. Well, normally I just take the metro around the city. The metro system is one of the few tangible remnants left of the former communist regime. Over 450 million people ride the metro system each year, according to the 2014 City of Prague Transportation Yearbook. The public transit authorities, Yuri Doshli, took our reporter Amanda Morris along for a ride. During the communism period, were some metro tunnels and stations built as a protective safety system for citizens in case of nuclear or chemical attack. Yuri Doshli has worked for Prague's public transit company for years. He knows everything there is to know about this underground world including, for instance, that it was designed to protect citizens during the Cold War. 
metro lines A and B were built in this in this point of view and the station which are not part of these protective systems are not deep enough so uh, they cannot be hermetically closed do you know if they would ever use it in the future is it, is it still usable yes it is still usable because technical centers should provide a supply of clean water air and electricity Other remnants from the Cold War still linger in the metro system today, or lie hidden underneath new names. Eleven stations have new names uh, after 1990, because the former names reflected communist ideology, and we have to uh, prepare other names, which can be or could be more politically neutral. For example, former Leninova station on line A was named after uh, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin, the former leader of uh, Soviet Union, was renamed to Davidska station and the city district where this metro station is located is Davidse. I then traveled deep underground in order to ride in the driver's cab with a train operator named Peter and his supervisor, Radek. We're going from uh, Zlichin station and to Smichovska and Andrzej station. And it takes 15 minutes, right? Uh, yeah, it takes uh, 15 minutes, yes. Sorry, I'm really excited about this. <laughs> it's like a roller coaster, almost. Oh. <laughs> yes, I believe. <laughs> Train operator is a very attractive job. <laughs> yes, yes. And you can see. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're on a roller coaster ride? <laughs> yes, maybe. Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> maybe not as many hills, but yeah, it's pretty flat down here. And we're going underneath the city of Prague, which is so cool. You can see lights from the other trains on the other side of the track. Yeah, you can see on uh, other rails, yes. How does how does the train turn around? Does it just stop and then go the other direction? Yes, stop and uh, go back because uh, we have a cabin uh, on each uh, end of the train, and it's typical. It's a bi-directional train. I feel like it's very peaceful down here. Like I wouldn't mind working here. You can you can kind of think about whatever you want, and you can you know contemplate life. I don't know. Do you, do you feel that way? Is it peaceful down here? When uh, is everything okay, it's peaceful. But when it's some accident, it's it's very stressful it's, moments. Yes. Yeah, and, and and other technical issues on the on the tracks. What a smooth ride. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been sitting too long. I feel like I need to bust some moves. Well, there are plenty of clubs in Prague, of course. They cater for all tastes, from jazz to deep house. Our reporter ER is something of a house aficionado. Here he is with a personal take on the Czech underground club scene. The European party scene is world-renowned, from the sandy beaches of Ibiza to the legendary London underground. The deep house scene in Europe, there's no question in it. But where does Prague fit into the equation? The underground clubs here must be searched for. They're hidden behind hotels, under alleyways, inside tunnels. Today, we take you inside Opposite Club, 
hidden inside a hostel and very easy to miss. Nestled between Jenska and Stepanska, right next to the Rodeo music bar, this treasure of the deep house underground is very easy to miss. But not if you know where to look. Opposite Club is distinguishable through its logo, which is two triangles opposite each other, kind of in a playing card style. The lights in the room are low, reds, greens, yellows, and everything is illuminated in low lights, save for the strobe lights that are illuminating the stage, all in different colors. Despite it being St. Patrick's Day, the crowd at Opposite Club is sparse. Cool, underground people, leather jackets, smoking cigarettes, drinking a beer, enjoying a night out on the town. This is not the typical rager that you would find at Radost, not the typical thing that you would find at Karlovy Lasne. It's a crowd of people just here to enjoy the music. The dance floor is surrounded by neoclassical statues, and the roof is decorated in, a, in an ostentatious fashion. You see marble lining the DJ table, and you see the DJ spinning, completely embroiled in the music. The bass is pounding, the drum machines are thumping. It's your standard deep house set, and it's phenomenal. ER with his take on Opposite Club. Perhaps now we can go even further underground. We went 140 meters under surface level in the Amaturska Cave. Speleology, as I'm sure you know, is the study of caves. At the Moravia Karst near Brno in South Moravia, you'll find over 1,000 of them. Sudenek Motichka, a speleologist who has explored and surveyed caves from Mexico to China, took my fellow reporter Vivian and I for a tour of his favorite cave. In Moravian Cars, there's more than 1,000 caves, and five of them is open for public. So now we're at the Amerska Cave, or the Amateur Cave, and it is the longest cave in the Czech Republic at 40 kilometers about. And we will currently be going to one of the entrances here. After suiting up in our big red suits, our black boots, and our headlights and hard hats, um, we'll be going in. Inside here, it's a small tunnel. This is an airlock uh, to protect the environment, not to influence the environment in the cave or climate in the cave, the outside, because it's artificial. It was not there. Uh, we have just gone through a metal gate and a metal door, and now there is another metal door in front of us, which you will have to go through. After about uh, two minutes of walking, uh, we're now in the cave. There's a lot of water on the ground. Looking up at the ceiling and the walls, uh, everything here. And just looking at all these little um, drips of water coming up the ceiling, these little um, formations that are all along the rocks. The rocks kind of look like, a bit like a kind of uh, tofu skin that you would eat in a Chinese restaurant. It's a little bit like wrinkly. It's pretty cool. All right, let's go. 
300 million years ago, the water coming from the mountains started to affect it or, or attack the, the limestone and started to create the caves because this is very soft rock. And water goes through the small cracks and, and then another process. Uh, the water vapor and start creating stalactites and stalagmites and other formations and it takes another ages. One square millimeter grow 15 years. It's, it's whole year stable temperature, 8 degrees, and humidity, it's relative of humidity is around 95 to 100%. Uh, we are now about 300 meters into the cave. And uh, we had to put away our equipment because um, the last passageway was so narrow. Uh, but now um, we are sitting down in a chamber about to continue going. And I just wanted to note that the ground um, really does feel like clay. It's the way it feels, the texture, and how it looks. All right, check in again, guys. Uh, so we are currently at a shaft. The shaft is massive. It is 15 meters deep. I can't even see the bottom. And he just tossed a rock down. So we are now about 600 meters down and we're gonna keep going. Now we are in a place which is the lowest level of Amaterska cave. So now um, we are sitting in the room, the chamber known as the White Fountain. And um, it's a beautiful, it's a white stone formation, and um, I'm sitting in complete darkness, and I'm just listening to the water, and um, it's very calming in a way. The biggest chamber here in, in this cave is more than 100 meters long. Uh, we are currently in the largest uh, chamber in the cave, and Zdenek estimates that the cave is about 90 to 100 meters wide, 20, 30 meters tall. Hello, check in, it's been about an hour and a half. And uh, right now, we are 40 meters deep from the entrance, but there are 140 meters of rock above us in the hall of the two giants. And here um, we see these two massive uh, stalagmite formations uh, next to us. And also it's really cool, there's actually these puddles here, these kind of little um, ponds of water that are drinkable. The water is crystal clear and the water tastes great. Uh, we have reached the farthest point. Um, we are about two to three kilometers um, from our starting point and about 140 meters deep from the surface. You can hear behind me, there is a massive river running underneath in this cave. It's the same river or same stream we saw on the surface for the first time when we went through the bridge. It's the same water. Many psalms there, unknown passages also. Still place we are working to explore the rest of the uh, underground river. Okay, now, now we need to go through water. It's a place called semi-samp or semi-siphon. It's not completely flooded, but we will be wet. We went up to about our waist, so let's go. So right now, we're on top of a waterfall that goes into a shaft below us. And it was crazy. We had, to, we had to climb over a rock wall face like with a rope, cross over these, uh, these very narrow passageways to get here. And now we're on a little island near the waterfall. And we got to go back the same way. So um, wish us luck. 
Good to have you back in one piece. Yeah, thanks. And that's about all we have time for this edition. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for podcast. Thanks to the whole podcast team: Amanda Morris, Angelica Moore, E.R. Polger, Vivian Lee, Amelia Palmer, Kyle Sims, Kennedy Hill, Morel Malcolm, and our editor Rob Cameron. I'm Leah Levine, and I'm Alan Payne. Thanks for joining us, and come back soon.